Welcome to Casual Conversations, a podcast for real people running a business. Its focus is to share real-life conversations about business, celebrating success, acknowledging struggles, and finding tools to navigate and move forward. My name is Jana, your host, and the reason why I started this podcast is to share real-life stories, to give others inspiration, tools, or ideas to help them create a business that they truly enjoy. The conversations in this podcast are real-life stories but do not constitute medical, financial, or any other sort of advice. As always, please seek the appropriate professional advice to understand if something is right for you and your business. Welcome to Casual Conversations, Shalini. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm excited to have you. We've just been having a chat and you've just said to me, we need to start. Um, so we're starting. I, as the name alludes, this is very casual. So I just want to welcome you and thank you for joining me today. Um, Shalini, for those who are listening, has an online business called Love My Legals, which is legal templates for small business. I met Shalini, I think, through Coolwow Collective. I'm not sure. At the time, I was looking for just a standard website templates, I think, for privacy policy and stuff. But our relationship grew from there. You helped me do a custom bookkeeping agreement and a custom mentoring coaching agreement. We've done, I think I've got purchased your non-disclosure Lots of things. So um, I think it's important to, like, from my recollection to you came to me with templates that you had purchased and you weren't happy with them. And the reason you weren't happy with them was because you felt that you could not um, quite fit your business into that template. Yeah, totally. it, it It turns out that, the reason you couldn't do that was because it was such a jargonistic kind of um, the, the structure of the document didn't allow you to think in the framework of your business. Yeah, totally. And this is this is where a lot of people run into problems with templates. And uh, I'm, I'm talking about templates because uh, I have realize that there are some documents that lend themselves to templates and some that don't and if you have a um it's so so things that are low risk like terms of use for your website um, a privacy policy um, some disclaimers for low risk activities easily yes take count on a template Um, but the documents that are high risk that you are um, charging money for, you know, relationships, um, services that are that you are asking for a significant investment from your client, I would caution against the use of templates because if you are going to use a template, you need to be very um, intimate with your business processes and you do need to have a fairly um, good knowledge of consumer law and legal requirements but most importantly I think what you don't get is the um, experience that comes with 
some you know that uh, that someone like me would bring to just um, the business relationship and how it should be managed and and just the wider management of your business and how that can be improved because I'm looking at your document with your business in mind and your your personality and what your expectations are and what you want your business how you want to roll it out and everybody is different that way I mean I could be drafting for two social media managers or two bookkeepers but they run their businesses entirely differently so they could get the same template and find it really hard to make it speak about them to their clients because it's not they don't have the opportunity to run that past any anyone that is experienced in handling um, small businesses as they structure and develop their services. And I remember when we went through the process because we customised my bookkeeping template, um, which came from an association. Um, you know, they set out a standard of what you need to include, but I wanted it with with my process in mind. And then obviously mentoring slash coaching, it's all one in the same consulting. It was all the same thing. And I remember going through that process with you and it really pushed button, Shalini, because I had to figure out who I was through that process and how I was showing up and what services I was actually providing. Like whilst we went through that template and like it made me look at my business, even just by having those consultations with you to create those two specialised documents for me. It does. It does. Um, it does force you to look at your business, um, but it's not a. It's not a. Diff, it's not like um, there is no. No. It, you know how sometimes when you take a long hard look at yourself personally, and then you think, <laughs> "Oh my God, how am I going to fix this particular drama I'm going through in my personal life, or how I've responded to something?" It's. It's not like that with when I go through this process because I do have a solution for you at the end. It's my job to take what you're saying, um, validate it or advise you how else you can approach it and then craft the document so that you are comfortable with it because you're the one that has to talk to your client about it and stand by it. You know, I'll step back from the process after the draft is, you know, after your beautiful service agreement or your contractor agreement or whatever you need for your business is drafted, I step back and you will then be the face of that document, right? Yeah. So it's it's not, um, it does push buttons, but it's meant to. Oh, totally. Each thing, each, each time that happens, it's an opportunity for improvement. It's an opportunity to possibly identify another service that you might offer. It's an opportunity to identify something that you didn't want to do, but you didn't quite realise that you were doing it and how to repackage services. So many times I've um, counselled clients that I'm drafting for that they may be better to streamline a service or to add an additional service um, or to offer, you know, a complementary service so that yeah. client, you know, and that only comes because I've drafted for so many that I know what works and what doesn't. Yeah. But, yeah, it does push buttons, but they're good buttons. They're opportunity for improvement buttons. Oh, totally. And they're nowhere near as many buttons as, 
you recommended to me, Laura, I can't pronounce her last name, L. L. Slacky. L- uh, yes, Laura. From, yes. Laura so L- you recommended and I ended up going on to be coached with her. Um, now she pushed some buttons. So when you talk about pricing and when you've gone into the market really low, she pushed some serious buttons. Laura's going to be on the podcast in a few weeks, hopefully. So like, yeah, definitely. In that period, like last year for me, for my business was a lot of growth. I think we started this time last year when you and I did the agreements and then, you know, Laura at the back end of last year. Yeah. Like I think it's positive because it, it gets clear on, on the service you want to offer and how you want to show up for your clients. And it's like, I think you said to me once, like, you've got to be comfortable with it, the service agreement. You've got to be able to, it's got to be something that you can take your clients through. Um, and like, definitely when we crafted those for me, 100%, I was so comfortable. Even a little section that I remember clearly, there was like a, hey, you know, if there's on-site work, because I'm 100% online, if there's on-site work, how much does it cost? And I was just like, nah not doing it and then I think we changed it a little bit and I ended up putting an on-site fee in there but that allowed me to get clear because I'm not effective when I leave the confines of my office for a half an hour meeting like it's a half an hour drive in it's a half an hour drive out so even just that little thing in the agreement to say that I'm not a bookkeeper who will visit on site that's not my service so yes I think that's where that's the finer details that people miss when either they use a generic template or they decide to copy somebody else's service agreement or they decide they're going to slap one together by cutting and pasting like various um you know clauses and paragraphs from different documents that they have picked up along the way look i understand you know when you're starting out that um that you have financial restraints right that you have so many things to pay for where does where where do you fit legals in a couple of things I want to point out is that you need to prove your service before you know what you're doing so I do not draft for you unless you have could can tell me that you've sold yeah, okay. Right. I yeah. mean, you you might have, um, I can, I, I certainly got, uh, we'll talk to you about it and I will guide you about it and I'll tell you what it'll, you know, cost to have a particular document drafted. But I would say to you very strongly that uh, you have a lot of work to do before you arrive at a point where you um, are ready to invest in a custom drafted service agreement. And that's usually after you have sold a few of your sessions. Yeah. And you know it's a thing. Yeah. Okay. If you haven't sold that and you're wondering um, about what to do, then you just, you know, talk to me. I will say to you, okay, you need to have actually, you know, let me tell me what you do. What are you selling? And I can probably make sure that you are properly supported in crafting your service first taking it through to having sold a few of your sessions or your um, service packages, then when you know that it's a thing, this is what you want to do, then we need to talk about, okay, let's custom draft your service agreement. But in the meantime, you have a website going. There are templates to sort that out. 
Yeah. You know, and there are, there are ways of communicating with your client in those initial, your first couple of clients that will, to a degree, cover you enough yeah. just so that you get to a point to say, right, okay, people are going to buy my my services. I It's a thing and I now it's time to invest in it. Yeah. Um, I don't, I, don't, I think that that's really important. You know, I mean, I, I feel like it's a bit like people with an uh, <coughs> e-commerce site. Yeah. Right? Now I, I have a refund policy they can use temporarily as a template. But they need, uh, there are many e-commerce sites that simply do not become a thing. People spend the money to build it, they put the products in, but for one reason or another, nobody's buying. Yeah. And that's not a legal issue. That is a marketing issue. Yeah. Right. They may go on to solve that and then the sales start coming in and the problems and issues that arise with the sales start presenting. Yeah. But that's the time they need more than just a refund policy template. And that, and I guess so I've got clients in the fresh food space. Mm. Um, that have e-commerce and physical stores. Like when you when we talk about people like that, they yeah. have to have a custom refund policy because their stuff goes off. Like what is yes. their policy? You know, is it does it need to be photographed? Do you have 24 hours? Like, is it packaged right? Like, was it frozen? Was it stored? Or, you know, mm. there's lots of considerations depending on the business. Like it's not just the physical buy dress kind of thing. Like Ecom's now across so many industries. That That's right. It is. And it's also something that um, is quite niche. So there's your market is going to be, you know, a certain demographic. They're going to have certain characteristics. So whatever you, whatever agreement you come to with people about how to do business with you is going to differ from um business to business yeah. right so like uh your document your e-commerce agreement your terms uh are also you know they need to reflect who, you, who what you do how well you do it why you do what you do and then they also need to make sense to the client the client yeah. needs to sort of look at it and say yeah okay i get this this person is fully transparent. I know exactly what's expected of me. Tick and flick, I'm going to buy. Yeah. So okay. in that space, talking about e-com, e-commerce, is, is your website, like the provision of a, of a document being a template, me purchasing your document, your template from your website, is that considered e-commerce? That's e-commerce, yes. So then, so that's if, a product. So anything that you sell online, that is, that is, it's a, why sell a digital product? The template is a digital product. How do, like, and I'm asking this from a selfish perspective. We just, like when we started, like I have got ideas that I want to create digital products. Like that's the next step I want to go. I've got all of these ideas and I can create videos. So. What in your experience with people who are selling digital products, whether the sale is complimentary in that it's a free digital download or it's a small, low cost, you know, pay $99 and you get all of these business templates or whatever it might be, 
Do you find that there's a no refund on that because, like, they, you can't get it back? Yes. Yeah, so with digital products, there is it, once there's a download, it yours your um your obligation to refund is you only refund if there is a uh, a, a, a defect in the product or okay. you know you don't have to refund for change of mind if they you know yeah. maybe they picked the wrong product or they changed their mind they don't need it anymore that's your discretion but you're not obliged to do that so digital products are a little bit different from physical products because there is the, the, the nature of the product does not lend itself to it being damaged or being um, having gone off or being damaged in transit or anything like that. The only thing that could possibly go wrong is if at your end something happened in your online back end yeah. and, the, and, you know, wrong products got downloaded or you had the wrong information in your, docu in your download uh, or your video um, itself was the wrong video you know you uploaded the wrong video under the wrong tags and all that but, and like but that's, yeah that's, that's the stuff that's, that you that's mitigate the time yeah like that's the so, stuff you mitigate if you're like okay well whoops sorry so if you're if you're asking me that if you recorded a series of business videos and you wanted to sell them as an educational pack for say some, um you know uh, getting your bookkeeping organized as a startup right what is the video yeah. one video two video three now and you sold that that's a product okay so that's a product on your website it's it, it'll it'll it, there's a couple of ways that that product can be accessed it could be they get go on a portal and access the videos or the the they access it on vimeo or they just purchase like the data they just download the the video right yeah. they just download or it goes to their email yeah. like it's a deliverable yeah, yeah. so uh, any of those things can happen and then they so that they purchase it off your um e-commerce platform the the right to access that video or download that video yeah right once that's done then the um the terms around refund is minimal because yeah. there isn't any um, particular terms that would apply in that case but your terms that you have to pay attention to is in relation to the intellectual property in that video because yeah, that was what my next question was how do you stop so privacy policy is quite simple like it's not simple as in I'm not discrediting your profession it's in it's small like it's a lower cost template how do you stop people from buying it once and then just spreading it far and wide? Well, your terms for one at the point of purchase is to be very clear that that the that the um, digital product is copyrighted to yourself. The other thing is is how you make that accessible to people. Like it could be viewer only. Yeah via a platform um, that's pretty common um, you will also need like most people are not going to do that they purchase it for their own use and then that's another thing that needs to be addressed in your terms um, if 
What you need to, though, be aware of and your terms need to include this is that that copying or modifying or sharing for any, you know, any purpose is, is, is not allowed. It's prohibited. And once the only way you can actually, um, I guess, uh, moderate that or um, control that is, is if, if, if you do see it happen, then you need to then go down the cease and desist. Yeah line and yeah but it just it's a risk you take yeah when you offer products uh digital products online i mean i've had it i've had that happen before where people have copied my templates and um i've then written to them and asked them to take it down and they, they have done that um i just remember so early on in my coaching journey i remember um because it's really i it's coaching slash mentoring, whatever you want to call it. Um, like when I, I've got these little, I guess, activities, they're not bookkeeping, they're activities that, that I do that help me in my life. And they form part of what I help small businesses with. And I remember, I think someone shared the Excel document or, or the whatever it was. And I didn't know how I felt at the time because, one, I didn't have terms, two, it was, you know, it was just with one person. But I was like, how do I feel about being distributed? And this was years ago. But when I think about going digitally, it's like I have, I need to resolve myself of the fear of being copied before I go online. It's like I have this, I have all of my tools really close to my chest and I only share it privately, but I want to have greater impact. So I think personally I need to work through that and obviously make sure I've got all my terms in place if I do decide to go digitally because I just have this fear that that once I'm sort of out there, it's like everyone will copy, it'll be stolen or whatever, but, like, I'm not reinventing the wheel. Like, I haven't created this most amazing process it's just the little things that I do that I believe in, that I share and are in a no-nonsense approach to how I do business. Okay. Well, let me counsel you about <laughs> that. From personal experience, you know, when I put the templates up on my website, it was a massive step for me. And I started with two. Really? The terms of use and privacy policy. I just... I. I, that's all I felt comfortable with sharing because I had drafted hundreds and I thought, okay, I'm comfortable now that this will apply to most businesses with, a, with very little risk attached. You know, yeah. there isn't a lot that can go wrong with these documents and they do need them and I don't feel like drafting anymore. So I also felt what... First of all, I made sure, my first thing was I made sure that the documents were drafted by me and this is how it was original, you know, in the sense that I had I looked over everything I'd done and I thought this is the way I think it should be. Mm. Okay, so number one, they were my work. Number two, I had I told myself, look, it's a really big world out there. The people who are going to buy are the people that um, know my work now. They they are um, they're the people that follow me because they know that 
how I work, it resonates with them. And they've seen how I respond to questions, how I um, operate. Okay, this is in the, 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 the online world, in different business groups, in different masterminds I've been part of, in different forums I've been part of, in the newsletters I write, in just generally how I show up. So look, when you launch a product, digital product um, to a for a, to solve a problem for a particular market, I think it's really important that that market knows your work to begin with. Yeah. And they know who you are. So if you can, if you can be sure of that, then don't worry about it. Just start with three documents and launch it, three templates that you feel is you and is going to really help people. Put a price on it and put it up on your website. I think you need to swim in your own lane with that. Yeah. You, the 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 worrying about copying can be own look whatever you can do about the worry with copying you can deal with in your terms yeah in your e-commerce terms yeah and the rest of it is out of your control you just need to forget about that and swim in your own lane with it because you're asking to solve a problem that uh we don't have that like it's actually a problem you've you've created into bigger than Ben Hur in your head. Yeah. In fact, it's not a problem. I've been, I've had my template shop now for maybe four years now, and I now have about eighteen plus templates on my website. And when I say eighteen plus, I mean they're they're different combinations of templates plus individual templates. And um, I have plans to introduce more, but I get caught up with custom drafting and I also get lazy <laughs> and I don't do it. But all I'm saying to you is that if you're planning to go down the e-commerce path and you've got certain templates you want to share, um, don't be afraid to do it. It's not uh, copying is the least of your problems. Um, finding your market is probably a bigger problem. Yeah, see, I know what I want to do there. Like I'm I'm gonna go safe. I'm gonna create something that's just solidifying the relationship I have with a certain group and I'm gonna digitize it. And then because I know it's just like a resource there from them, it's just an additional resource. It's something that I can call on and I'm I'm good at and I work with this group. Um regularly so for me that's a really easy start to get the mm. confidence up and then like I feel like I will be like you in the sense that it will grow and it'll just be this database um can I ask another, you a question sure I, but before you do <coughs> another tip I would have for you is is find what you love doing the most on a what you know the one that the, that thing that you like doing the most that you want to have the most involvement in personally so for example for me it's custom drafting right my i i love to to custom draft uh documents for unique businesses yeah okay that's my love that's that's where i is that's my high end work 
right? The, the stuff I don't like doing is privacy policy, terms of use, disclaimers, um, early startup documents like the NDA, which I felt should be accessible, like the speaker's agreement, like the podcast guest release. Now, these are all things that are fairly templatable, right? So I was drafting them and I'm thinking, no, wait a minute. I really don't want to do these ones because I feel like there's a big similarity between them. They can be templated. What I, I do want to do is the unique stuff. So that's what you might want to do is only template that stuff that you kind of um, know of really well but just feel like, well, it's nice to be able to say to a client, I have a template for you. I've drafted it myself. It's a much cheaper option. I actually don't draft these for clients anymore because I've drafted hundreds and it's based on this. Yeah. So, right? for, and for me, it's like, here's the conversations, here's the level of education that I have in business. It's across six to eight areas. These are my areas. Um, here's an entry level that will free up my time to go and have really deep, meaningful conversations to have a relationship where we work together for six months, we we make real change in a business. So we might, you know, that's, and that's generally like weekly meetings, accountability, mentoring sessions, you know, just I really invest my time and energy and love into the businesses in a, to make real change in the, in the guts of it but there's a there's a level of understanding and for people who can't afford that level of mentoring with me that I can still help them it's like the startup phase like you say it's those little you know the little conversations that I have early on um, that's what I feel like I can replicate um, I do have a question when you first transition to um, having an online store did your heart sing when the first sale happened? Did you just go, wow, because it's not passive and I'm not going to use, I don't want it to be like, it's not no work, but is it nice for you to wake up in the in the morning and there be a cha-ching and there be a sale? Absolutely. Look, I had my, I was really lucky. Um, my, well, when I launched the template shop, it was a very quiet one. I I just did it and then I put up a few posts about it and I, I got a sale the next morning. Wow. So I was very like, I didn't expect that at all and I was just, I was really surprised that if it was, you know, people, uh, no one was more surprised than me and I think that that's just um lack of confidence at the time as well it was all very new to me and I, I thought maybe it's just not it's just me wanting to do this and it won't it won't happen I also had in my mind that I was you know there are other really big companies that offer this whole template thing online and why would anyone come and buy my little ones but I haven't looked back yeah having said that though the reason why people buy my templates is that behind it, behind the templates, it's, it, there's me. Yeah. Okay. So if they have a question, it's really a person that's answering them, not some unnamed, you know. Yeah. yeah. That's 
one consideration. And the second thing is, is that over time, like um, those clients that do purchase the templates, they, they followed up, you know, post-purchase to see how they're going um, and invited to come back and talk to me if they have other concerns about their business or the template. Um, it, if it's a simple question, I deal with it. And that's no problem. If it's more complex, then I have a service that they can upgrade to. Right? Which, is, which is what we did. Like, you know, so when I think about it, really, the 12 months of our life, like when I decided that I wanted to start a podcast, despite the fact that I it needed to be low cost. So I don't have an editor as much as I know of people who use editors. Like it's it's in my office. It's not soundproofed. The only thing I knew that I wanted was your podcast guest release. So I knew that in my budgeting, when I could afford that, that's what I was going to do because I knew that I wanted to protect myself and the distribution of the audio visual, whatever it is. So like... I think what you've created that relationship with me because I've come back. Now I think about it, you know, the other day we did a consult for NDA and something to do with employing someone. So like it's evolved and I think it's because you're there and, and I know you're there. Well, I see them. I see the template offering very much as a, as something that helps your clients out, you know, gives them a leg up when they're ready for more sort of additional support, there's the relationship there. My, my website is not really about my templates. My website is really about service. Yeah. Okay. The template is just one way to help you. I do get people that still want me to draft. They don't want to use a template, even if it's there, even if it's suitable, even if I said it. Do you just use your own template then? Well, no, I have a different process. It's important to me to find out why it is that they don't want to use the template, okay? And usually that conversation reveals something that needs to be managed about how they're thinking about their business. So that's where the work goes. And ultimately um, I feel like tweaks have to be made they're not comfortable with actually writing about their business anyway yeah or they're too busy or they've just got the funds they can't be bothered you know there's a lot of reasons but when someone says they're not comfortable with a template and I ask them why um and you know and they say well there's things that they don't know and I that's when I can gauge whether I can tell, then say to them, look, it's pretty clear in the template what you have to write. Yeah. And there's 14 days email support. You really, if then if you feel it's just something you can't deal with, then we'll talk about custom drafting. Yeah. Um, but lately, though, I've had, uh, I have had a request for, um, custom drafting of privacy policies in terms of use for uh, businesses that are food blogging businesses because they're using third-party advertising agencies that run advertising on their food blog. So there's an added layer. There's a layer of complexity. Yeah, okay. So that requires, um, you know, a a custom approach. So it does happen, but... 
some, you know, look, generally speaking, 99% of the people that come to me and say they need to know about, you know, what terms they need for their website and privacy policy, after, after investigating their website, I'm confident that the, the, the templates are suitable. If it's not suitable, um, I, I then have a conversation with them about it. I, I leave them with, with a recommendation. I don't just um, assume that... Yeah. That, that the template will be fine. I actually do make an, go in and look at their website, and if I have a few questions, and if I want, if I feel like um, that everything is not covered by the templates, then I will uh, tell them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Trend, Did, you know, they need to know. That's the whole point of it. They, yeah. Most people are seeking direction, and that's that's where I was mm. because I felt like I was lost at the time. Um, do you find, like, talking about that food blog and do you find that you, whether it's custom drafting and or templates, do you find that you have, like, certain industries? Like, have you got a bunch of coaches, a bunch of consultants, a bunch of bloggers or, like, are you just, is it lots of different industries? Um, I, I, I'm really, really fortunate because there is so much variety in the, types of businesses that approach me um the the, the common factor is that 99 percent are women ah. and they have yeah they have reinvented themselves in most cases from doing what they were doing previously be it they were at home or they were in a corporate job or they were with a not-for-profit or they were in retail or they you know uh, worked in the mines and they've now or been in defense and they've now come out of it and they or are still in it but they want to do something else so they've created an, another service wow. and that service could be they've retrained into something else they've decided to go into coaching or they're consulting back to the industry that they're an expert in or they've set up an e-commerce platform to sell whatever it is that they have a passion about it could have been you know um it could be photography equipment, it could be whiteboards, it could be, um, I'm just trying to think who I'm drafting for at the moment, it could be um, uh, children's play makeup, you know. Wow. Uh, it could be um, uh, boys' clothing, it could be sensory toys, it could be bamboo um, underwear, you name it. It's people's, it's only as big as the imagination that so people have or how, how they see their, their their life once they decide to make a change. So when so. you went into this, did you determine, because I don't know if you've ever done a whole marketing avatar and de determined your ideal client, did you fall into the fact that it was 99.9% .9 women and they are women who have reinvented themselves? Because I'm finding this hilarious because I feel like that's what I did. Um just because I went down natural, I went down whole foods and studied nutrition and then I went and did NLP, but I've kind of brought it all back together into what I'm really good at with bookkeeping and consulting. Like, so I resonate with that. Did you go, okay, this is the type of female I want to be my target client or is it just accidentally happened? No, I, um, I reinvented myself and... 
thought, what do I want to do? And I I just felt I didn't I didn't go out to just market for but it became very apparent to me very quickly that um, the, the people that responded to or that I responded to well were women who were building businesses. And I realised I was doing the same thing. You know, I reinvented my size as a journalist to begin with. That was my first degree. And then I went through law school and I set up a legal practice in Fiji. Then when I came here, I did not want... Um, circumstances were such that... I had to do something, but I didn't have the connections. You know, I was I didn't have this um, old university alumni. I didn't come from an old Brisbane family. I didn't yeah. come from a network of accountants and lawyers. There was just me, and um, and the, my world was 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 Facebook and the business groups. And while I was working out what to do, I looked in the business groups because small business has always interested me. And that's where I started responding to questions with advice. Yeah, wow. I think you should do this. And I think you should that. Have you thought about doing this? Um, and you probably will need this contract or that contract. And then people started to message me and say, can you do this for me? Yeah, wow. Right. And I then realized that um, I had to set up a service because to give legal advice, you can't just, and you know, you you have to be uh, properly registered and yeah. everything like that and have your insurances. So I did all that. Um, but I still wasn't sure where I was going with this. And ultimately, I thought, let me just start talking about one thing. So I started to talk about terms of use and privacy policies, just the, the two most boring documents ever in most people's eyes. And what I realised very quickly was that education was the best marketing tool. Yeah. People didn't want to be sold anything. They wanted to need, they needed to know why they needed something, what problem it fixed, how it fits into their business model. Yeah. And so all my all my marketing really until recently has been education and it continues to be. Whenever somebody asks me something or I'm tagged on a post, that's an opportunity to expand on on education on that particular question or query. So to your question, like, you know, did I decide that this was going to be my market? No, I didn't decide that at all. The market chose me, I think. Yeah. And um, and I'm grateful for that. Occasionally I will get, you know, a male client and, um, and <laughs> look, if I, if they, I really have, they really, have, their request to me has to be really, really in my niche. Yeah. I really, you know, it, it has to be something that I do, that I really enjoy doing. Otherwise, I will refer them because I feel like, you know, we work, we we choose who we work with, and 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 there's a reason for that. Um, but the the male the, the the male business owners that I do draft for. Um, that they do appreciate the work because of the detailed approach that I take. Yeah. It's not just, you know, a, um, a precedent whipped out of um, 
the legal services software and filled in with, you know, they're actually quite surprised at, at the, the process that I engage in in order to get a document. And recent, my, my, my most recent um, uh, client was a HR company, an analytics company, and uh, that client, he required a uh, contract review. So he, they were engaged by a hospital to do HR analytics and the hospital gave them a contract. Yeah, wow. Right? So he wanted that contract to be reviewed and then from that review he wanted like a cheat sheet for his employees so that they didn't have to read the whole contract. They, he wanted a document for what important information the employee should know yeah. that is extracted from the contract that will help them to comply with everything so that the company is, you know, um, operating within the agreement. And so that was, I mean, I don't actually provide that. So that is something he came to me with and asked me to do because he couldn't find anybody else to do it. Did you enjoy it? I did enjoy it because I realised that he wanted me to speak to his employees in yeah. a document um, and, I, and it, that was useful and that was relevant and that was succinct so that they could get on with their job. Yeah. Right? And I, that's, that's really what I want to, what I work at giving each of my clients is a relevant, useful document that speaks to their client or their supplier uh, that is, you know, succinct and to the point and um, able to be understood by everybody uh, and contained like it's uh, what there's not overkill. Yeah. It's I think overkill, overkill you in a doc, in a contract kills relationships really. It's reassuring to know that someone has looked over it too in the, my partner's in the building industry and some of those contracts are huge and yeah, not always building, building contracts are overwhelming. and you know it's and it's just good to know that you've got you know in their case the professional bodies or, or specialist people that can look over it and that's exactly it it's a cheat sheet that you get or a letter or something that basically says here's your issues this is what I'd be concerned about or just like what your notes might be around yeah. particular aspects of the contract because they're quite extensive and like I personally look at them and freak out like I can't. Yeah, like, it is. It is. Um, that, but you know that 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 type of uh, work I I do get a lot of. Um, I have a lot of clients for whom I review contracts for. Yeah. Um, and my my position is to really train them for the things they need to watch out for for the next one yeah. so that if they, then if they're still uncomfortable, because usually it's just, they get similar contracts yeah. in, their line, in that particular line of work. Um, and also if you're a client and you're engaging a contractor to do certain things in your business, chances are you'll be picking similar services when you change services so the contracts are fairly similar yeah. or the work is fairly similar so you need to know what to watch out for in contracts so those contract reviews are more about uh, the contract itself that they're bringing to me to review but it's also training them about what 
to watch out for yeah. um, in the next contract that they may need to deal with. Yeah. So because um, really at this level of business where you're the face of your business um, and just because you are the face of your business does not necessarily mean it's a small tiny hobby business I mean I'm the face of my business and I can tell you now it's a thing right I have a business and it's it's demanding it's busy it um I'm never there is never a day when there is not something to do there's not a, a client to fix there's invoicing there's so many things to do um and so you can't assume now that a small that someone that leads their business is necessarily a hobby and there's and there's a lot of moving parts do you do you have support like so when when obviously you said that you started with a law firm in Brisbane like does that still exist or is love your legals now essentially just that so I said the law firm the law firm is set up and love your legals is like the um market you know like that's who they that that's the what I use to um, talk about and educate. Yeah. Right. Um, the law firm is there with that's where as soon as um, a, someone becomes a client, it's handled by the entity that is the law firm. Yeah. So because the law behind, society and all yeah, of the things, absolutely. All of and you and you know that's you should always be aware of that and always be. Um, certain that anybody that's handling your service agreements, your contracts, your your legal obligations, or anything to do with your business structure or how you plan to relate to people in terms of the service you're providing, uh, that you have like a legal understanding, or, you, and that you are you required to run a trust account, like. I, yes, I do. I have so, a trust account. Like I'm not tr- required to. But oh, I so trust accounts mine. aren't just for like conveyancing settlements when you buy and sell a house. Like, but like as a lawyer, does every lawyer have to have a trust account? So no, when they don't. Okay. Um, I run a trust account because I, when I invoice, I charge, like I, I accept fees to start the work so that fee amount whatever it is stays in trust until milestones are reached Um, and usually in my case they stay in the trust all fees stay in the trust account until the work is completed you won't actually get a uh, statement from me about the, the, the fact it's been moved from the trust account and becomes fees um probably until a month after your matter is complete because it's reconciled at month end. But I think I'm unusual in that regard. Okay, because that's a whole other thing, like trust accounting. Like I have never done it, but I know it's a thing. Like like, do you have yes. to get your trust account audited every year then? Yes, I do. I'm just going through the audit process now. I have an external examiner hmm. and they go through my accounts and ensure that, uh, the client's money is handled properly, that um, I don't pay out of the trust account into my uh, general account, um, and w- like without the proper process. So yeah. all clients are required to sign a trust account authority that says, you know, this money is for my for the fees when yeah. the matter is complete. Um, and then they also need 
evidence that I have provided statements to the client so that they know that the money was received in the trust account and it's sitting there. They also need evidence of when the money was transferred uh, to the general account and that that updated statement has been forwarded to the client. So the client now knows that the matter is complete and the fees can be transferred. But how amazing is that in the sense that, like, I know it's an added complexity for you and your business and it's an added cost, but it's reassuring that there's no misappropriation of funds or... Yeah, so it, it, is, it is an added layer of work. Yes, I agree. But it also gives me freedom to um, manage my clients according to my service agreement. If at any time it appears to me that this is not working and it hasn't happened, I have to tell you. Um, but sometimes, you know, uh, for one reason or another, a matter does not proceed, like a document does not proceed, then I have then I only bill what work has gone in from my end. So I may have done the due diligence, I may have prepared a first draft, and then they've decided not to proceed. So there isn't that stress on me to look for funds. Yeah, because it's all and sitting you there. I can, yeah, so I can either work with the funds I have or if more funds are due I can request them or if I've only used up some of the funds as you know apply some of the funds and because I've done a limited amount of work I can refund the balance you know there's a lot of so I literally I know having a trust account is more work but I really in hindsight would not have it any other way I think it's a it's a it's a source of reassurance to the client it's transparent um, some, it also helps them to understand. Some clients come back to me and say, do I have to do this? And I say, no, you don't have to do it. But I can tell you that if you get into the habit of quarantining fees until the work you, if you can get to that position in your business, then rest assured you um, are not going to be playing catch up all the time. Because it's a forced it's, budgeting tool. Like it's a, you, yeah. It is enforced budgeting. I, I, I could not, I cannot stress. I mean, lawyers are required to have a trust account if they're accepting fees up front. Yeah. Which is in my case. And I don't recommend, you know, many small businesses come to me for drafting. If they have a service structure that does not have a component of their fees requested up front, I, I do do a session with them about that. Usually they don't know they can do it or they have a mindset about, you know, will the client give me any money to start work? Um, we have to get past that because you really do need uh, to put a value on the work you're about to start. And, you know, as a business owner, you need the motivation. I mean, if you're going to, you cannot, um, you need that undertaking from clients that they have invested in the service. And it's like, it's not just even about the money. It's like, say, if in your case, if you were drafting and you'd set aside next week for a big matter, mm. if they then pull the pin and you don't have a deposit and you've set aside that time, whilst I'm sure you've got a lot of a pipeline of work, mm. but it's also the, it's like the financial 
it's a financial contribution to secure that time in their schedule. Yeah. So it's really a um, it's it's a lost opportunity. Okay. So these are the things that you need to address in your service agreement yeah. about when can when can clients cancel and what the ramifications are for them when that happens because the while you know it has to be it's a bit tricky with some things um in terms of invoicing for lost time and lost opportunity because we have to work it to comply with consumer law requirements as yeah. well but a well-drafted agreement and a good understanding of your service will cover that possibility. And it will also remove potential problematic clients. Yeah. Right. So if, if, if um, you should always direct your clients to read your service agreement. Yeah. Okay. And, you, and if they have any issues around that, they will certainly then either raise them with you or withdraw from your service. Yeah. In, and you know what? That's not a bad thing. No. Because if they were planning on being difficult or they wanted the opportunity to be non-compliant, better that they show that before you get into a transaction with them than after or during because that's when it becomes time consuming for you and time is money and if and if i find in a lot of things now or any aspects of business where if they are trying to bend the rules or like it might just be hey i want to meet you face to face and i had this situation the other day you know like someone wanted to meet me for a coffee to get to know me and i I just said, no, like, I don't do face-to-face and here are the options, like 30 minutes on Zoom, so on and so forth. Um, I often find that how how they interact in those early stages is how they'll interact in the engagement. So, like, if they, if people are perpetually late to appointments or they do no-shows, like, that's an indication of how it's going to go when you work together, I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, sometimes there's outliers and things happen in life, but the nature or the experience early on often indicates how the relationship's going to go. So I'm that's learning right. as we and, go. And as like, a business owner, you know, you've got to, you, it, I'm not saying that you avoid all clients that have have potentially not responded immediately or whatever but I'm saying assess your own level of stress and what you want to invite and what you don't want to invite I mean I I mean and also I guess like there are some some parts of life that I'm quite difficult in too and I ask a lot of questions of whoever I'm engaging right and it's also kind of like if you can if you can survive like this with me, then I'll be your best client ever. Yeah, and that's right? what I like. So it's sort of like this two-way thing. It's kind of, you sort of have to take a risk sometimes and 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 um, bet that a client will work out. You know, bet that with yourself. But then other times, you know, I have also taken on clients where I felt okay. No, this this. This should have been referred on. Yeah. And I'm getting better at that. 
I mean, it's not, it's just the human condition, isn't it? We don't always get everything right all the time. So no. you can only just uh, put everything down to experience. Totally. Mm. Um, in terms of being in business, Shalini, like you obviously, you work from home, do you? You have an office? Yes, I have, I have a home office. Do you love it? Like, do you love being in business for yourself? I love being in business for myself. And I'll tell you why I I have realized that as much as I would love to say on my um, bio and my CV that I'm a team player, I'm just not. <laughs> I don't even like teams. I love I how you acknowledge that. Hey, I love that you acknowledge that. I, I love leading a team. I'm a great team leader. I have a team of people that support me in my business that I work with, right, that work with me. But at the end of the day, I make, I call what happens in my business and I'm comfortable with that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I do love working for myself. And um, if I were, you know, I mean, I've worked in other places before in in both as in as a journalist and as a practitioner but I have to say that working for myself in this age of um, online work and 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 the kind of um, clients that I work with it's really been the best I think this is it for me this is my life work yeah isn't that amazing um, do you find it challenging with like the people that you've got to support you, um, do you find it challenging to manage them or is it quite, are they all remote? No, like- no I have the mindset that, so I have the, the, the contract, so I have a number of um, contractors on my team. Um, I have um, on the accounting side, that's, uh, you know, that's contracted out. On the, the marketing side, um, as in the, the website and newsletter and social media, that's I have a team of two three working with me on that. So all up I probably would say I have a um, permanent team of four. Wow. I right? do I do love your marketing. Like I get your yeah. emails and but that's all extracted from me. I work very closely with yeah. all of them. But in particular, I respect their roles. They are also business women in their own right. Um, I don't, they, they don't, I, for me, I don't expect them to know everything. Yeah. I don't expect to get them to get every campaign right. Um, I feel like when they work with me, I they're an extension, like they're also learning. So I want them to rise in their business as well. So when something, when they need it, when I feel like they're not, that we are not getting somewhere, I will then say, okay, we need to get another, we need to get advice. Okay. Okay. And I encourage that. I don't ever, I don't believe that, um, like I don't, if something isn't working, say if I run a campaign and it's not doing as well as it could be doing, I don't see that as an indictment on the, the, the professional who's helping me. I see that as an opportunity 
for her to grow. So we must get a mentor for her. Yeah, okay. Get her over that line so she can come back to me with an improved service all the while continuing on with the wonderful work that she's been doing. So it's a very different approach that I have with my team. I don't, um, because I get a lot of uh, support knowing that they're there and I can rely on them. So my give back is, is that, um, that I support them right back. Yeah. And you're loyal. Can I, can I ask in that space, like with your marketing, because obviously I personally haven't done it. I understand the importance of it. But did you go heavy in SEO when you created the website and like that digital, like the presence, or has it just grown from what you said no, before, Facebook only, groups and it's it's been organic. Okay. I showed up in the in the business in the business groups a lot. I was I enjoyed responding, I built relationships. Um, I put my head down and just kept going. Um, I tried to state my the whatever I wanted to say as objectively and kindly as possible. Um, you know, it's a it's it's really been a case of uh, swimming in my own lane. Like yeah, I just told myself, this is what I this is what I want to say. This is how I can help. I'm just going to say it and 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 let it go. Yeah, let it go out there and let 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 things let the message land where it will so that was my that has and continues to be my marketing approach I'm I'm very I'm I'm really proud that the business has gotten to where it has on being fairly organic it's only this year that I had the new website done and SEO'd um, it's only this year that I've run a few Facebook ads to see what they would look like. And how did it go? Have you had, has the results been yeah, different? They were, yeah, they were okay. I'm not, con- I'm, I feel like with the ads, you, I mean, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still, we're still refining it. Yeah. I think it takes time. Um, and I've never, like I look at uh, people that buy my templates invariably buy them on the recommendation of other people that have already bought them or they buy them because I've said I think you should you know this is this option will be fine for you when they've come looking for um you know things that I have templates for um I have an affiliate program that's well managed uh that a lot of you know I have website designers who are affiliates and that use use the yeah, um okay. use the templates well, for their all clients. of my stuff has got crafted by love your legals copyright on it yeah and everywhere I've got love your legals is clicked through yeah, to your website um obviously I'm um, an affiliate to love your legals as a disclaimer to that yeah. <laughs> so I think it's you know um it, if you're asking where did it start, it does, it, in the space that I operate in, which is with women who are reinventing their businesses and setting up services and e-commerce platforms, it, it had to be organic. Okay. Because that's where they hung out yeah. in the groups, one, you know, chatting, yeah, seeking advice from other women. 
Are they still there or do you feel like in the last couple of years has everyone moved from Facebook to Instagram to TikTok? Because for me, I feel like Facebook is just a, a, a wasteland of no one apart from in groups, like they're in groups. Well, and I'm in- not on TikTok, but I do have I. an Instagram presence. Um, I still feel Facebook is very relevant. I get a lot of my clients that contact me from really big female-led business groups. Okay. Yeah, I feel that in the first instance, people, especially women who are entering the business world, um, who are deciding to create a service, who are deciding to set up an e-commerce platform, they will go to a Facebook business group um, that for advice. Yeah. And that's really um, that's really important to recognize that 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 is the forum where they can get good advice and good referrals. Yeah. You know, because Facebook is still, you know, business for women still starts with a conversation. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and and it's only a little bit later into your business that I think you get the confidence to go into um, Instagram and TikTok and yeah and twitter uh, i'm not on twitter uh, i'm i do have linkedin um but even then i still feel that the the, the conversations are um are still relevant on in the facebook business groups yeah. very much so yeah yeah i am um, i think a lot of it even just recently a lady has booked a discovery call with me and you know i only have a small following and but I think just showing up and for me it's just continuing the conversation around whatever I'm talking about. Like mm-hmm. I'm very talking about everything. So anything in business, um, you know, in my experience. And I just think to be front of mind, like I'll, I'll look at my email campaigns and there'll be no click-throughs and I, and I often wonder and I'll change the way I do it a little bit because it's all me. Like I write it all and I do it all. Um, I often wonder, like, are they reading this? And I actually put that in last week's and someone actually replied and said, yes, we're reading this. Thank you. So whilst they might not have engaged my service yet, they're there and and they are reading it. They are engaging. It's just been front of mind for them when they're ready. Yeah, and no, I get clients who email me and say, I've been following you for three years. Wow. I'm ready now for, for you to help me with my legals. Yeah. Or they write back to me and they respond to the newsletter and say, um, I've been watching your work for the, you know, last yeah. two years or I've been uh, following you in such and such group, you know, reading your posts every time you get tagged and now I've got a business question, can you help me? Yeah. So people are watching. They, they need time. Yeah, that's the thing with I think people think it should be an it, nothing is an instant success. I don't know. I I never believed that, and um, and it, it's perseverance that's the the key. I mean, I just put my head down. This I had no choice. This was it. I did not have a second job. I did not have another business. Oh, so this, this had to this succeed. One, this had to succeed. Yeah, and it was what I wanted, and I did know that I had. To, capacity ability and I also loved it yeah so I think 
those all those things matter. The most important thing was I've had this showed up consistently with the same messaging and the same product and the same services all along. So people yeah. are not confused about what I do. Yeah, They're not, okay. they don't, they just know that oh, she's the terms and conditions lady or she's the service agreement lady. That's what she does. Yeah. You know, and that's been, that's been important. That's but been important in the minds of people. Even for that service. Even for me, I was like, I know you're not the employment contract person, but I'm going to ask you anyway. You gave yeah, me and people like, do. Yeah, yeah people like do. And I do, mind. and I do refer. Mm. Yeah. And that's, that's a good thing though, because then I've, you know, over the years I've made sure that I found other practitioners doing the kind of work that I don't do, Mm. but who will serve my clients, how they need to be served. Yeah. Now I'm mindful of time. I've just got, because I do want to be respectful of your time and it, it tends to I can waffle on forever. I just want to quickly ask, in terms of your, not your structure of your business, but the back and nuts and bolts, I'm very interested in, in, so I'm very interested in technology and as it relates to helping businesses and stuff. I was just wondering if your website is a Shopify website. No, my website is WordPress. Oh, okay. And I use WooCommerce. So when I get my email with my download after I've purchased whatever I've purchased, that all comes from WooCommerce. That's right. What what email, pretty emails to make your emails pretty, do you use? uh, MailChimp. Oh, do you? Yeah. Yeah, so WooCommerce is integrated with MailChimp. Yeah. Do you know how to use that all yourself or do you just... I don't know, no. It doesn't interest Ah. me. (laughs) Stay in your lane, Shalini. Yeah, it doesn't interest me. I um, I have the logins. Mm. That's about it. Yeah. No. (laughs) And I never had a chance to, like, I didn't have the time on my hands to do all that because fortunately for me, I was busy drafting. Yeah, and that's the catch... That's the that's the the dance the dance people have I guess so in when they start out they might start out with a budget and they might you know spend five grand on a website or whatever else and outsource everything or they might start out with nothing and DIY it and then and invest in those services later mm. I guess I'm the latter so like I like whilst I am working. It's, I definitely bootstrapped it this time around rather than go all in with a huge investment. Um, I think it's important that when you get to that point and you're doing the money-making work that you love to invest in other people. Like, you know, I just got my first employee. I've had VAs before. I get my graphic Shana, I didn't do that straight away. Yeah. I've been in business six years. The first three years, well, first I didn't know. I've never had a business card. It was only nine months after I first took instructions from a client that I invested in my first website. Yeah, wow. So now we're two years into the business. Okay. Um, I did not get anyone. I did. I engaged a book. So right from the beginning, I was using a free um, invoicing software called Wave. Yeah. And then... I moved over to zero and engaged a bookkeeper because yeah. I just I just couldn't 
cope with that and the trust accounting because that same year I had to then do invest in the trust accounting. The Law Society said, if you, you know, this is, we, we, because I had decided to take fees up front yeah. as a cash flow thing as well. And then, so that all my, all any accounting time I have is, is, is the, the trust accounting takes first, you know, like that's compliance plus plus. And so I never, for a while I had someone doing the trust account bookkeeping and then I took it back myself because I realized it's actually quite easy and it helps me to keep connected to each client's matter. Yeah. And then it's only in the last two years that my contractors have been on continuous retainers. Yeah, wow. Because, yeah, so I was a lean startup as well. But it's just right? testament to the fact that if you do what you love and you in and it takes time and it's... it takes time and it takes consistency and it takes showing up yeah. and um, I had support moral support from the likes of people like Laura and um, I had you know the, I, I had I had um, I had business coaches that I worked with I did invest in those yeah um, but I think at the end of it it was just being there and being present yeah. and showing up that, you know, no one can do that for you but you if you're going to be the face of your business. Yeah, and it's the consistency, mm. isn't it? Like, mm. and just consistently showing up and that's because right. that's a part of it. Like, yeah, it's definitely part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I better wrap this up. Do you have anything that you want to share? So I just checked the stats of the podcast before we got on and and 75% of our listeners are females between 35 and 44. So you're talking to your audience. Um, is there anything that you want to share or is there anything that you've got going on or where you want them, where you want to direct the listeners to? Look, I would love to chat to anyone that's starting their business and have not have not spoken to someone like myself that can confirm for them where, what they need to do regarding their client relationships and their supplier relationships in terms of contracts and policies, etc. Yeah. Um, for their businesses, whether it's service based or whether they're product based or whether they just need to get some mentoring around all of it yeah so they're welcome to contact me through my um facebook business page lovely yeah. legals or my website do you um, offer a free call at all yes i do there is a complimentary chat under the yeah. contact us button that they yeah, can okay. access or they can just message and um a calendar i'll send them a calendar to book in through a yeah. chat yeah, yeah, cool. And you're behind the DMs of Instagram and Facebook Messenger or you would prefer people to go through your website? Um, look, I, I'm not fussy. I'm, yeah. I, website's easier for me because <laughs> I'm on my emails all the time. Yeah. Um, it's Instagram and Facebook business page. Like I have to rem remember to yeah. look at those. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah but I, I do get to them all at some point. Yeah, no, that's cool. Well, I just want to close by saying thank you. I, I, I forgot how much I've done with you over the last 12 months and I'm thankful and I feel like even just what we were talking about early on in the conversation, 
I feel like we've got more to come. Um, we can do another one at another time. Yeah, so um, I just, just want to thank you for spending the time with me. I know I'm very mindful of people's time and valuing people's time, so I appreciate you spending the last hour and a bit with me to have a chat about all things business. You're welcome. Thank you, and I will speak to you again soon. Okay.